Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. And he said, Hal, you don't have that kind of cancer. You don't have a tumor, a slow-growing tumor. He goes, you were healthy last week. You're, you're on the verge of death right now, and you've got days to live if we don't do chemo. And I thought that was a scare tactic, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, let me sleep on it. And I, I you know, I, I, Googled, I Googled it and basically found, oh, this is real. Most people die from this cancer because they go and get misdiagnosed with like pneumonia, which is what I was diagnosed with initially. Um, and then before they fi- figure out what's actually wrong, the person's dead. And so I started chemo. You're listening to Hal Elrod, a near and dear friend of mine who has gone through now a second near-death experience. The first time he was on the show, he talked about his book, The Miracle Morning, which was stemmed from a life-changing experience he had after a car accident. He was actually pronounced dead for eight minutes, came back, and was told he would never walk again, and has not only walked, but he has now changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of other people, including myself, with his book, The Miracle Morning. And he's coming out with a new book now called The Miracle Equation. Actually, it just came out yesterday, And that talks about the two decisions that move your biggest goals from possible to probable to inevitable, something that he used to help him get through his first accident and then now the cancer, and he's cancer-free at this moment, which is amazing. And he's just an incredible inspiration, Hal Elrod. And I cannot wait to have you listen in on exactly how he got through this and how he has used the same sort of this miracle equation to grow his business to what it is today and to help him through all the tough times in his life. And this is what he's teaching us now. And quite honestly, I needed to hear this conversation today and this might be exactly what you need to listen to as well. So before we get to it, let's get to the intro and then we'll get started. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, One of his all-time favorite TV shows growing up was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Welcome to session 367 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And helping people, wow, this is something that Hal Elrod has just, he's changing the world. And he's gonna do it again with his book, The Miracle Equation, which just came out actually very recently. If you are listening to this episode right now, it is published and live, and it's 
in all the places you can get books, and in, that includes Amazon, obviously. The last time Hal was on the show was in 2014, in episode 140, and that uh, was about productivity and really having uh, Hal enter my life and what it was like to go from being a complete night owl to then a massively productive morning person, which I still am today. I have a lot of success that I owe to Hal, and he and I have grown to become really great friends, and actually I remember just a, um, you know, when I heard the news about his cancer, it was crazy because I had just seen him a week before, and he was perfectly healthy. We were in New York together at a book publishing sort of seminar for the press over there and uh, for self-published books because uh, his first book, The Miracle Morning, and all the other Miracle Mornings that have come out since then are, are self-published, and my book, Will It Fly, was self-published, so we were there for a little press thing, and it, he was. we had lunch together. He was fine, and then a week later, I hear this news, and he's he's got cancer, and it was just – it hit me really hard, so I'm really thankful that I was able to to, to – connect with him again cancer-free here on the show to talk about how he mentally got through that and how he gets mentally through a lot of other tough times in his life as well so sit back and just man enjoy the ride here he is hal elrod author of the new book the miracle equation hal my man what's up welcome back to the smart passive income podcast thanks for being here pat it has been too long man and i just i love you i'm so grateful to be here it's been way too long. I was looking uh, very recently at when you were last on the show. That was over four years ago in episode 140, where we talked about The Miracle Morning and the yeah. success of that book and, and movement really is what it's become. And since then, many different things have happened. And I'm just going to go right into it. Another, you, like The last time you came on, you talk about a near-death experience you had. You were actually pronounced dead for several minutes, came back. They said you weren't ever going to walk again. You walked and you developed this miracle morning routine to help you through your recovery. And now you've since shared it with millions of people around the world. And now I'm just seeing the miracle morning everywhere. And it's everywhere for me every day because I wake up and I do the miracle morning. So thank you again for, for that. But you, you even had another near-death experience. Can you tell us? I mean, let's just get right into it. What, what happened yeah. to you again? Yeah, I thought, I thought one, one was enough, you know? Um, so two, just over two years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night struggling to breathe. And, uh, my wife, you know, of course she woke up, I was gasping for air and I, you know, she had me sit up and put pillows on the bed. And, um, and, uh, I always joke that that was the moment I decided I would never give her a bad time for all the decorative pillows on our, on our bed. But she, uh, uh but yeah, so long story short, I was, uh, within a couple of weeks, I my you know, my lung kept having to be drained of fluid and I was diagnosed with a very rare and aggressive form of uh, cancer, leukemia, called adult lymphoblastic or acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and I was on the verge of death when I went into the hospital. Uh, my not only was my lung collapsed, which it had been collapsed, it had collapsed eleven times over the course of like two weeks, and I had to go have all this, you know, like pounds and pounds and liters of fluid drained. And uh, then I went in for a second opinion at one of the best cancer hospitals in the world, MD Anderson in Houston, and uh, they found that not only was my lung collapsed, my heart was on the verge of failing, and my kidneys were failing. And it turned out that I had this aggressive cancer and uh, I'm a, like, I'm as natural and holistic as it gets. So I'm like, all right, well, Dr. K, can you support me in curing this or, you know, uh, holistically? And he said, Hal, you don't have that kind of cancer. You don't have a tumor, a slow growing tumor. He goes, you were healthy last week. You're, you're on the verge of death right now. And you've got days to live if we don't do chemo. And I thought that was a scare tactic, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, let me sleep on it. And I, I you know, I, I, Googled, I Googled it. And basically found, oh, this is real. Most people die from this cancer because they go and get diagnosed with like 
um, you know, misdiagnosed with like pneumonia, which is what I was diagnosed with initially. Um, and then before they fi- figure out what's actually wrong, the person's dead. And so I started chemo the next day and then supported it with my holistic practices the entire journey. And um, yeah, man, it was the hardest year of my life. You know, I have, I, as you know, I've got a, I have a wife. I have two young children who were uh, seven and uh, four at the time. And, uh, you know, I mean, to, to lose, to leave your family, like the, the idea of dying when your kids are young uh, or any age is, it was just, it was, it was terrifying. And I, I had to dig into kind of my toolkit. You know, they, they gave me a 30% chance of surviving. And I, you know, like the terrible odds, right? I always say, if you're, if you're a glass is half empty kind of person, that's a 70% chance you're going to die very soon. And um, I, I, there's this thing called the miracle equation, which I know we're going to talk more about today, but it, it, it's something I came up with ironically, long before the miracle morning, I'm sure anyone that sees the book coming out, it goes, oh, wow, the miracle morning, now the miracle equation, now the miracle equation, I came up with when I was 20, like six years before the miracle morning. And it's how, it's, it's the formula that I use really for business success, like overcoming odds, breaking records when I was in sales, this and that. Um, but I studied it and realized that every person that's overcome extraordinary adversity, be it financial adversity, health adversity, whatever, um, or has achieved extraordinary success, that's how they did it. And, and I went, so anyway, I, I go, wow, if I'm going to turn this 30% chance of surviving, you know, into a hundred, right. Which is, I wanted to turn the 30% into a hundred percent. Um, I, you know, this is the only way that I know how. And so I, I uh, approached my cancer with the, through the, the, the lens, the filter of this miracle equation as my kind of strategy. And, uh, defied the odds. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm now, I've been cancer free for about a year. It's an ongoing thing. It's, you know, I'll be on, you know, forever getting, I'm getting a checkup on Monday. I go into the hospital, they dig into my bone marrow. It's very painful. Mm. Um, and they test me for cancer every three months, you know, but, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm after the most difficult year of my life. Um, the last thing I'll say on that is the day I was diagnosed, I told my wife, the sweetheart, and she was, I mean, you know, she was terrified. And I said, sweetheart, uh, this, I promise you, I don't know how, and I guess I can't promise, but I said, I, I have unwavering faith that this cancer will be the best thing that ever happened to me because I look back at my car accident and that allowed me to overcome adversity, to grow and become the person and, and create my life's work. And I thought, you know, there's this, right? Every adversity holds an advantage if we choose to approach it through that lens. And because of that, I was, you know, decided to be the most happy and grateful I'd ever been while I went through the most difficult time in my life. Uh, and I believe that had a huge part in uh, in me, you know, overcoming that cancer and, and being alive today. How do you legitimately stay happy in a situation like that? Because I think a lot of us know that we should try to be happy, but it almost seems like faking it. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I'll, I'll put on a smile even though I'm in massive pain and I'm about to die. Yeah. How do you how do you honestly in your heart stay grateful during that time? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, is, is I think that everybody, if you look, you know, if someone has cancer, right, most people probably on Facebook are going, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm making the best of it. I'm, you know, I, they, they fake that positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was very genuine and anyone that knows me really well, you know, right knows. Um, and, and in our last interview, a few years ago, we talked about that with my car accident. Like when I was in the hospital in the car accident, you know, I, I had 11 broken bones, permanent brain damage. I was told I would never walk again. And even being told I would never walk in the age 20, I thought, well, See, I learned something in my Cutco training, so I'll give it just a quick summary of how I do this, which is it's called the five-minute rule, and it's simply that when things go wrong, you're allowed to be negative. You're allowed to feel bad or feel scared or feel or vent or you know, punch a wall or like whatever. You're allowed to feel the emotions that are, that are festering up initially, but 
the five minute rule said after five minutes, you, and literally we were taught in, in our sales training, set your timer for five minutes. And when the timer goes off, take a deep breath and acknowledge that if you can't change something, then there's no value or there's usually very little value in feeling bad about it. And, the, and, and here's the thing. Every negative emotion, we think it's because of the thing we're going through or the thing that happened to us or the thing that someone else said or the thing that someone else did. Whenever we're feeling upset, whether it's sad, scared, angry, you know, name, name, a, name a painful emotion. When you're feeling upset, you go, we always are, we have something to point to. Well, yeah, of course I'm angry. Did, did you hear what he said to me? Well, of course I'm sad. Look at what I lost. Of course I'm upset. Look at what is going on in my life, right? And what I learned, and I was fortunate to have this mentor that taught me this, every negative emotion that you or I have ever felt or anyone on the planet has ever felt or could ever feel, it's always self-created. And what causes emotional pain is resistance. So when something happens in our lives that does not, you know, it doesn't meet an expectation, if we resist it and go, I I wish this were different. I wish this didn't happen. I wish I didn't have cancer. I wish I wasn't in a car accident. God, I wish I could walk again. I I can't imagine not walking again. It's that resistance and the degree of resistance that we put towards the things that are out of our control. We can't go back in time and change them. The degree of resistance determines the degree of our emotional pain that we create for ourselves. And I learned that at 20, about a year and a half before the car accident. And so I went, okay. And I, and I literally, (laughs) I was so happy. The doctors thought it was like, they didn't believe it. They thought I was in denial that I was delusional. And they called my parents in and they had this conversation going, you got to talk to your son. He's, he's in denial. Like he's smiling and laughing and joking all the time. Like that's not normal. He's, you know, he should be, uh, we would imagine deep down he's hiding his real emotions of fear, anger, you know, uh, depression, whatever he's feeling, find it out. And my dad came in and talked to me and I said, dad, I live by the five minute rule. I can't change it. Can't change that it was a car accident. And, and if the doctors are right, there's only one of two possibilities. Number one, if the doctors are right and I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I've already decided if, that is, if that's my life, if I'm in a wheelchair forever, that's not what I want. I'm not hoping for that. But if that's what ends up happening and I can't change that I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I said, dad, I promise you, I will be the happiest and the most grateful person that you have ever seen in a wheelchair because I'm not going to let the wheelchair define my quality of life. And, and Pat, I, just, I, wanna, I, wanna really just, I wanna stop for a second and kind of everyone to think about that. Like, I'm not gonna let the blank define my quality of life. When you hit traffic in the morning, that's a low level of resistance. Ah, oh, dang it, I need, I'm, I'm gonna be late now, right? There's, there's a level of resistance. You create a level of emotional pain. And, and that, that traffic, right? It's like, no, 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 I can't change blank. So I'm not gonna let that define my emotional well-being. I can't change that the cars are going slow in front of me. I can't change that this person said this to me. I can't change that I lost my job. I can't change that I lost my, 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 my you know, I can't change, if you can't change it, the, the, it, it's learning that I'm going to make a conscious decision to fully accept it. And, and that's the opposite of resistance is acceptance. And so that's the thing is, I, now I had hindsight and I write about that a lot in the new book. I tell this, both of the stories of cancer and the car accident and kind of the bridge between how on the day I was diagnosed with cancer, I mean, it was the day I was diagnosed and told I had a 30% chance of living that I said, sweetheart, this will be the best thing that ever happened to me. And I really meant it. And I lived it for the entire journey. And that doesn't mean, I mean, there were days, you know, the Miracle Morning documentary comes out in a few months. You're in that movie. I mean, you see me, I'm in the hospital hooked up to chemo bowling. It's hard to watch, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. You've, you've so seen it, right? Um, and there's even the more in there. I went to the premiere in Arizona. Uh, when the Miracle Morning documentary, which is 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 awesome, and you should all check it out when it does come out. 
I don't know where it's going to come out. Where, where are we going to see that? Do you know? We're probably going to do a nationwide theater release and then it'll be available on DVD and video on demand. And then eventually, hopefully Amazon streaming and that, you know, so kind of, kind of the kind of like major movies do, right. They go theater first and then, you know, the down the, down the line. But uh, yeah, I mean that y- you visually see all these things that Hal is talking about and you could probably imagine what it might, might look like. So, I mean that to, the, your ability to take things that are very hard in your life and not only see the good parts that can come out of that, but also then share your message with the world is just, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm very inspired by that because, you know, in, in a small way, I've done something similar, taking the story of my layoff and then turning it into a business and then sharing with the world how I was able to do that so others can do that too. But I mean, this is so important. And, and I want to dig into the miracle equation because I think everybody's just like, okay, miracle equation. It just came out on Amazon. Show notes, obviously check it out. Where, where can people go get it if, they, if they're like jumping on that right now? Yeah, well, this is my, you know, I've, I've, I've written, uh, I think 12 or 13 books. They're all self-published. This is the first traditionally published book. So in the past, I'd say you got to go to Amazon. Uh, now I'm like, oh, you can actually get it where books are sold, right? Walmart.com, Target.com, Amazon.com, so Barnes and Noble, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's everywhere. So I'm so proud of you for that. And oh, I've a little bit been following your footsteps related to uh, publishing. You know, I, I, I made a, a very strategic decision to self-publish Let Go and then my book Will It Fly because of the success that you've had with The Miracle Morning. And we've connected with a lot of the same people to help us get it into bookstores around the world. Um, and, you know, I have Will It Fly now in Vietnamese and, and, and Chinese. I mean, it's just amazing. And so thank you for that. And again, uh, you're, you're inspiring me. So let's dive into the miracle equation. What is, what is the miracle equation? So the mir- so I'll, I'll start the, the subtitle of the book, which you know, gives you kind of a high level overview of what it is. It's the, um, the two decisions that move your biggest goals from possible to probable to inevitable. And if you think about it, right, if, if, if you're in the self-help world, if you read business books, personal growth books, if you go to Tony Robbins seminars, listen to Pat Flynn podcast, right? You know, we, we've all heard that anything is possible. And most of us, we, we buy into that, right? And we're like, yeah, anything's possible. But possible is, isn't enough to get you out of bed in the morning, right? Like, yeah, everything's possible. And if, if, if what was possible was enough of a driver, everybody in the planet would be highly successful because they'd be living what was possible. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that once you get your goals to probable, right? Now, now you're, okay, wow, if I believe I can achieve this goal, because rarely do we pursue a goal that's possible, but we don't think it's probable, right? Very rarely does somebody go, I don't think I could actually do this, so I'm going to give it everything I have, Right. Right. No, we like most people want to guarantee like, well, if I think I can do it, then I'm going to pursue it. Right. Um, and so so the idea is, how do you take it from possible to probable? And then, OK, now now you're at probable, but how do you make it inevitable? And so when I was uh, 20 is it, I, I was approaching this sales goal and I was trying to break a record, which means, you know, I was with a company that had been around for 50 years. Uh, Cutco, right. I sold Cutco Kitchen Knives. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to do something that no one had ever done in 50 years, right? So that's, that's very intimidating. You're like, well, I'm not, I mean, this has never been done before. And, and I was trying to do it in 14 days. That was a 14-day window. Mm-hmm. And the day before the 14-day window, and I had spent the last couple of weeks, like, you know, writing out my goals and like strategizing and planning, how am I going to do this? And the it's day like before- It was a company-wide 14-day- It was a company-wide, yeah, 14-day sales contest, right? Mm-hmm. And I was trying to be, not only be number one at the current time, but actually, but break the all-time record. Mm-hmm. Which was, by the way, I was trying to do twenty thousand dollars in in knife sales, right? In two weeks, in home presentations, you know, not no, no corporate sales. It was one, you know, selling a set of knives to one 
housewife at a time. And um, the day before the contest started, and I, uh, our manager said, hey, by the way, guys, I, I, I don't know if you heard, but we don't have the full 14 days. This is only a 10-day sales contest. And so you can imagine, right, mentally I had prepared, like I was, I was trying to get the courage to go for this record in 14 days, and he just took away like 30% of my time. But the record, the, you know, the, 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 the amount had to stay the same. And so my initial thought was, I was so deflated. And I'm like, dude, I'm, there's, no, there's no way. There's no way. It's not, even, it's not possible. So I was kind of given up. And then that night, you know, you, know, you have the falling asleep, right? The moments of inspiration are either in the shower or falling asleep at night, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm falling asleep and I'm tossing and I'm turning and my subconscious is thinking about the goal. And I just, I, I get a couple thoughts of inspiration. And I sit up, I pull up my, my journal that sits by my bed. Um, and I, I, I just kind of reverse engineered. I go, wait a minute. If I were to do it, it would be like a miracle, right? Like that would feel like, I mean, it'd be a miracle. It's just, I couldn't even fathom doing this. Reverse engineering it, what would I have, what would have to happen between now and 10 days from now for it to happen? And I kind of deconstructed two decisions. And I don't know that I, they were worded this way initially, but this is, oh, by the end of it, they were worded this way. It was unwavering faith is the, so the miracle equation is made of two decisions. And by the way, these decisions, Pat, are deceivingly simple in their explanation, but extremely rare in their execution. Meaning when I say them, you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound complicated, right? But if you actually, as we dissect them, and that's why, that's why they required a book, right? Because like you, you really have to go deep to understand because both the decisions are totally counterintuitive to human nature. That's why very few people make them. And those that do are those that we look up to and admire and read about in Forbes and entrepreneur and write and listen to on your show. Mm-hmm. So the first decision is unwavering faith. And the second decision is extraordinary effort. Meaning if you study anyone on the planet who has achieved extraordinary success, overcome extraordinary obstacles, they did it with first and foremost, they, they established and maintained unwavering faith. So think about it. It is not human nature to establish the faith that you can do something that you have no evidence in your life that you can do, right? Maybe it's running a marathon or starting a business or writing a book or becoming a millionaire. Very few people go, well, dude, I have no evidence that I can do that. I'm going to go for it, right? Kind of like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So the first part of unwavering faith, that decision is establishing it. Now, there are many people though, it's a small percentage, but it's a larger percentage that will establish it. And, you know, it's, they call it un, uninformed optimism, right? Like maybe I can do anything, right? They listen to your show. They hear about someone that did something they want to do and they go, well, maybe I can do it. So they establish the faith. That's, that's the, it's, it's the easier part, but it's still counterintuitive. But here's the thing, maintaining it. As soon as like you go, all right, I have faith, I'm going to do it. But most people, as soon as they hit the wall, the obstacle, they stumble, they fall, they, 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 they right? They're, you know, they, they're, they, they fail. Then most people give up the faith that their, their dream, their goal, their vision is possible. And once you give up the faith that it's possible, it quickly becomes exactly the opposite, which is it becomes impossible. You can't achieve something you don't believe you can achieve. So the first decision is establishing unwavering faith that you can accomplish something you've never accomplished a big, huge, audacious goal or dream, and then maintaining that faith until, the, until it happens, until the moment. And for most of us, and Pat, you can, you can, you can I'm sure, uh, back this up, which is it usually takes longer than you thought. You said, well, I'm going to do this by this in the next year. And it takes you 10, right? And most people aren't willing to maintain the faith for that long. Mm-hmm. 
So unwavering faith, does that mean searching for evidence, like you said, that proves that, hey, you know what, this actually is something that is possible. So I'm thinking of, of, you know, the example that comes to mind is way back in the day when the four minute mile was broken. Mm -hmm. Nobody had any proof that that could ever be done. So nobody ever thought it was possible. But the moment somebody had done it, then you started to see all these other people actually be able to achieve it because it unlocks in their brain the faith that, wow, this is something that actually can be done. Now, that obviously begs the question, well, is it something that I could do? That's a different story. But just is, is that is that what this means? It's like searching for evidence, whether within yourself, that you have capabilities that can support that goal and or others who have achieved it as well? Yes. And there's a little more to it than that. So yes, that is the most fundamental, I believe. In fact, in the book, I talk about something called uh, enlightened entitlement. And, you know, entitlement is usually an icky word in our society. Like we think of, you know, this person's entitled, which, you know, oh, they think they deserve something, even though they've done nothing to earn it or deserve it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, enlightened entitlement is the foundational belief that every person on the planet is just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving anything that another person has achieved or creating or accomplishing or experiencing or believing, right? Um, and of course, there are limitations to that. I'm not going to play in the NBA. Neither are you probably, right? Well, um, no, probably not. Even though Muggsy Bogues is proven, it doesn't, height doesn't matter, right? I mean, you know, right. But I mean, there's certain, certain things that, you know, um, yeah, there's certain things that we've got to be realistic for. But, but for, for the most part, it's this inherent universal philosophy that if another human being has accomplished something, so can I. And again, that's counterintuitive. It's not normal because most of us, we do, we do the opposite of that. We don't, we don't find connection to what's possible based on what others have done. We create separation. Oh, well, man, that person is so, you listen and look how confident they are. Mm-hmm. Or they have more experience than me. Or they're older than I am. Or they, were, they didn't have, they weren't born into the, with the you know, crappy parents that I was, right? And like our friend Josh Ship is a great example. Grew up in the foster system and, you know, I mean, achieved everything he's ever wanted and, and is changing the world, you know? And there's so many examples of that. So that's the, the foundation of unwavering faith is faith in yourself that you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving, creating, accomplishing, experiencing anything and everything that you want as any other person on the planet. And then beyond that, some people draw their faith from a higher power, from God. Some people draw their faith from their past experience. Some, right? so, so, so you can draw your unwavering faith from various places. And there are, you know, many people had to, they had to, they had like, they might, there are people that in our society or other societies that they didn't even have evidence that it was possible from another person, right? They might not have had access to podcasts or even you go back in time, right? I mean, our, our, our life's very different now, our, our world, you know, rewind 20 years. There weren't podcasts. There weren't blogs. There wasn't an, there weren't, so, there wasn't social media. We're, finding evidence was a little tougher, right? Yeah. You know, and you go even further before there were, you know, amazon.com and Barnes and Noble, you couldn't even find it. I mean, right. So, so, so you don't have to find your faith through evidence of other people. But to me, that, that's a place I often will look. But ultimately, it's about faith in your worthiness and capability to do anything that you put your mind to. And when you do hit that wall in those tough times, I know even from my own experience, I begin to doubt that faith. I begin to look for evidence of the opposite. <laughs> that, wow, I, I didn't go to school for business. Therefore, I shouldn't be in business. That I remember having those specific feelings, especially after certain things happened in the beginning of my business career when I started my architecture website. Do you have any specific uh, strategies or, 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 or things that we could do, systems, whatever, during that process of deflation? 
to yeah. reinflate our faith? Yeah, and I think it's important, before I answer that, to set that up, that anyone listening understands, I know that I, I, I get excited and I talk, you know, yeah, very, I, right? <laughs> like, I, I'm super insecure. I have tons of, like, like, all of it, right? We all have our insecurities, our fears. So here's the point. Unwavering faith doesn't mean, like, when, like when you make that decision to maintain unwavering faith, and, I, and I'm going to I'm going to tie it back to the story that I'm in the middle of kind of telling and, you know, we'll keep looping back to, which is sure. that sales contest for the 10 days. When I reverse engineered it, the, the whole point of faith is I realized there are going to be so many times during these 10 days, including before they even started, that I am afraid, that I doubt myself. And I know I, I, I've been in, I've been in sales for you know, a, a couple of years at that point. I go, I know there are going to be days where I go out and I go 0 for 6 and I don't sell anything. And I know that the emotion that that creates is one of fear and doubt and you know, that, that's what happens. And so I thought unwavering faith is my strategy. It doesn't mean that I actually believe. This is what's interesting. It's a really fine distinction. But here's the point. If we knew each other at that time, Pat, and you're like, hey, dude, I heard you're going for this record, man. You know, you're maintaining a wavering faith. So, hey, you want to bet? Like, I don't think you're going to break that record. Do you, Hal, do you want to bet $1,000 that you're going to break? I'll bet you're not going to break the record. I would have gone, dude, I'd probably bet you $1,000 that I'm not going to break. Like, I didn't think I was actually going to do it. Unwavering faith was a strategy to override my fear and override my doubt. And the way that I did that, and this is the direct answer to your question, is what I call the miracle mantra, right? Miracle equation, miracle mantra. The miracle mantra is simply, I am committed to give it everything I have to achieve this goal until the last possible moment, regardless of my results, no matter what, there's no other option. That's kind of a long version of it. I think in the book, it's a little more concise. Yeah. But basically, it's, I'm committed to achieve this goal no matter what, there's no other option. And so whenever I would have a no sale or I would have a bad day or a canceled order, whenever I was not on track for my goal, I would, and I, would I remember literally, I, I can picture, I, I drove a black Nissan Xterra and I, I can see myself on this one spot on the freeway with all my windows down, screaming, like, cause I, cause I just come off of like three no sales in a row. And I'm like, dude, there's the voice in my head was, there's no way, there's no way I'm kidding myself. There's no way I'm going to achieve this goal. And then I became aware of, oh, wait, wait, I committed. I'm not allowed to talk that way to myself. Mm. Right. So that's the thing about unwavering faith. It was a strategy and a conscious decision that whenever I caught myself in those moments of fear and self-doubt and negative self-talk, I would override it with that mantra. Of, I would roll down the windows and go, I am committed to give it everything I have to sell $20,000 in the next 10 days, no matter what, there is no other option, right? So that is it, is that mantra. And the beauty of unwavering faith is it keeps you on track. And Pat, here's how this plays. Well, let me tell you, any other questions? And then we'll go into the second decision and how these work together. No, I'm, I'm ready to go to extraordinary effort, correct? So yeah, extraordinary effort. And again, if you study anyone, yourself included, anyone that has achieved anything extraordinary, you don't find that they did it without extraordinary effort, but that is not human nature. Human nature is to take the path of least resistance, right? Um, it is yeah, safety, comfort. We seek comfort. Achieving a big, scary, audacious dream or goal, it's not comfortable. It's the opposite. You're constantly faced with fear and self-doubt, and it's magnified. When you're watching Netflix, your fear and self-doubt doesn't really show up, right? Doesn't really, it's not, you know, it's, in, it's deep down inside you. It's there, but it's waiting for you to actually do something that, that, that brings it about. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, for anybody that's listening, right. Is that the world's most successful people or, or, or anywhere along that spectrum of success, they have tons of fear. 
tons of insecurity and tons of self-doubt. And again, they have more of it than most people because they're pursuing things that terrify them, that scare them, that challenge them, right? So extraordinary effort, first and foremost, um, I, I think it's important to make it feel ordinary because extraordinary effort at first glance, you're like, oh, dude, I, like I'm going to shut the podcast off. Like, I don't, I don't want to, like, uh, that sounds hard, right? That sounds hard. Extraordinary effort, if there was one word to sum it up, it's consistency. The world's most successful people, it's not that they, I mean, yeah, some of it, you know, we're in different seasons of, I'm in a season of my life right now where I'm actually working a lot, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm slammed. But for the most part, it's just that they do the things you're supposed to do every day. And the compound effect of that is over time, they achieve great goals or dreams, right? Like writing a book, for example. If you just write, you know, five pages a day, well, right, in, in 100 days, you have a 500-page book and you don't need that long of a book, right? So in 20 days or whatever, that's the point is extraordinary effort isn't about working yourself to the bone 80 hours a week. It's about a commitment every day to move a little bit closer to a goal or a dream that is extremely meaningful to you. And if you move in the direction of the, any goal or dream in your life, whether it's losing weight or making money or whatever, you eventually get there. And by the way, that's where the subtitle of the book, Moving Your Success from your, or Your Biggest Goals from Possible to Probable to Inevitable, that's where it comes from. Is that it, you, it, if, you are, if you commit to maintain unwavering, right, you, you define your goal. I call it your mission in the book. You define your mission. The goal, the dream that is so meaningful to you that will, that will add so much value to your life that you're willing to commit to it. You, you, if you pursue it with unwavering faith until, and underline the word until, until you get there and you put forth extraordinary effort until you get there, you eventually get there. Your success is inevitable. And sometimes, as you know, you often like with your architect, you know, I mean, with your dream of, you know, uh, it was being an architect, right? I'm not messing that yeah, up. It was. Yeah. Um, you were pursuing that, right? And, 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 and so that ended up not being the dream, but you were pursuing it with unwavering faith and extraordinary effort. And here's a really important part of this is redefining the purpose of your goal, your dream, or your mission. And I believe this was Jim Rohn that first said this, which is, and I'll, I'm paraphrasing, but the purpose of a goal is not to achieve the goal. It's who you become throughout the process of achieving the goal, right? By, 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 maintaining unwavering faith and having that as your foundational mindset and putting forth extraordinary effort, you become the type of person that can achieve bigger and greater and more significant goals and dreams. So it's who you become that matters. And that's the thing is that when you pursue this, right, even if you don't achieve the goal, which I've, you and I, and I have more goals that I've pursued and not achieved, but when you, when you do it through the miracle equation, you become a better version of yourself. You become someone who can achieve big and better goals, whether or not you achieve every single one, and you won't. No, no champion wins every game. No champion wins every championship, right? Mm -hmm. There are good, good games, bad games, good seasons, bad seasons, but they are champions. They are the best in the world at what they do because, and, and, this, and we can go into this rabbit hole, if you, not this second, but if you want to, um, I love studying athletics. Did you follow, did you watch Michael Jordan as a kid? Absolutely. So yeah. Michael Jordan is like, to me, the quintessential champion, right? I mean, he was the guy and, and he's considered widely by most people as one of, if not the greatest basketball player of all time, right? Before there was LeBron James kids, right? There was Michael yeah. Jordan. Um, yeah. But if you think about the world's greatest athletes, because this is just a great analogy that we can use across the board. Most people, when the game is on the line and there's only 30 seconds left or 10 seconds left, 
and they're in the huddle, the, the, the average player, and of course, these are the average amongst the best. If you're in the NBA, you're amongst the best in the world. But, you know, the average player doesn't want the ball because they allow fear to dictate their actions. We're like, that's most people. We allow fear to dictate our actions. So the game is on the line, and, you know, Phil Jackson's in the huddle with Jordan and Steve Kerr and Scottie Pippen, and most of the time, all the other players are like, dude, uh, like, uh, they're, waiting for, they're waiting for somebody else to step up, and Jordan goes, give me the ball even if he missed the last seven shots in a row, because he decided at some point in his life, I will maintain unwavering faith that I can make every single shot that I take, no matter how many I miss. I will maintain unwavering faith that I can win every single game that I play, even though that's impossible and no one ever does it. The point is, unwavering faith is a conscious decision on how you will approach everything in your life. It's approaching it with the, I can win every game. I can make every shot. I can achieve the goals I set, even though we know you're not going to achieve them all. But by having the mindset of unwavering faith, you will achieve more than 99% of the people that are like, well, I'm only going to pursue the ones that I know are, 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 are likely to happen. Yeah, you can't make a basket unless you take a shot and you're going to yeah. miss some of them. It reminds me of that Jordan quote. Uh, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. That quote is both on a poster on my son's wall. Were you just reading it, by the way? Is it on a poster or somewhere in your wall? I was hoping people would think I memorized it, but I actually pulled it up. I pulled it up. I was like, you started to say, I was looking at your eyes. I'm like, is he, I think he's looking at the books. But um, I need to turn the camera off, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know we should have done no camera. No, but yeah, so that's on my son's wall. And that quote is in the miracle equation. That is in the book. Yeah, yeah. When I give Jordan as the example, right? Because that, that's exactly it, right? Is That's exactly it. Well, I'm definitely going to be getting the book and you should all get it to go and find it at your local bookstore. And of course, it will be available on Amazon as well, right? Yeah, and it'll be, yeah, audiobook, you know, Kindle, yeah, cool. all of the iBooks, all of the above. And as far as extraordinary effort, so to me, what you're saying is it is extraordinary to be consistent, meaning mm. most people are not. Is that the truth? I hope I said it that way in the book because that was very well said. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly it. And, 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 and with like with the, uh, you know, going back to my sales contest, right? I maintained unwavering faith that I was going to do it using that miracle mantra. Um, I put forth extraordinary effort. And the extraordinary effort was simply committing to a specific number of calls every day and then showing up to my appointments, right? And that, you know, and of course, yes, it's over and above. I was, when I was between my appointments, whereas in a normal week, I might just rest on my laurels. I was on the phone making even more calls, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but that's it. Is what makes it extraordinary is that it's consistent and that it's consistent effort over an extended period of time. Because most people don't, if they are consistent, it's for a short burst. They yeah. don't maintain it over the weeks, months, or years that it takes to create miracles in their lives. And if you uh, don't have that energy and you don't have seemingly time to be productive and you aren't working on your own personal development to help support that, well, then you should check out this other book called The Miracle Morning, <laughs> which well, can help you out with that. And that, that that's a, it's a good point. Uh, you know, like people ask, like, well, why, why The Miracle Equation? If we already, you know, The Miracle Morning like stands alone as this great system. The Miracle Morning is a system for personal development. But... You, you know, and, and, and to me, that's the foundation of everything, of our quality of life and of our success. But I realized that we still need a system for goal achievement because you can engage in personal development every day and, not, and still shy away from achieve, uh, pursuing your biggest goals and dreams out of fear. 
You could be the most personally developed person on the planet, read all the books, and have all the knowledge, be the smartest, most you know, uh, capable person, but still shy away from the goals and the dreams. And so they really do go together. It's like personal development plus goal achievement. And with unwavering, the last thing I'll say on this is with unwavering faith and extraordinary effort, there's something that I call the, the faith effort feedback loop. And what that means is when you establish unwavering faith that you can accomplish something you've never done before, that, that, that opens the door to you for you to put forth the extraordinary effort. You go, well, well now I've, I've put in writing. I've got, I've got the faith I could actually do this. It's possible. It's probable. It's inevitable. I'm going to do it. Then now you're motivated to put forth effort. And the more you put forth that consistent effort, the more it reinforces your faith because you go, dude, I deserve it. I am working hard. I've been, I've been, I'm seeing little, little signs that this, this could actually work out, right? And so that's it. And then now you have more faith that it's possible that feeds your unwavering faith, which in turn gives you more energy, more motivation, and more drive to put forth the effort, which then feeds the faith. And it just round and round you go. And then it literally changes who you are fundamentally as a person and what you're capable of. I think I heard a person once say, to be successful at anything, you must take action even when you don't feel like it, knowing that the action itself will produce the motivation you need to follow through. That was in Miracle Morning, wasn't it? It was. I'm quoting <laughs> I'm reading that. But yeah. <laughs> but it all relates, people. I, I love the brand that you've created and just how epic your community is. I'm, I'm in the Miracle Morning community, silently watching and listening to the conversations and the lives that you are changing. And here we go again with the Miracle Equation. And now traditionally published, I expect to see your face everywhere and on bookshelves all around the world. And I'm just so proud of what you've done. I'm inspired. And I'm really excited for uh, the upcoming success that you're going to have. And, um, you know, going back to the, the to the initial story that uh, started out, you know, you being in the hospital uh, with cancer, I'm so thankful. And I remember praying very hard during that time that, uh, you know, and it was obviously you and the rest of the world, your community uh, praying with you. I mean, I remember seeing pictures of you in the hospital with no hair and just super skinny and just very weak looking. And, and, and it, it, it was your mind that kept all of us motivated, um, including yourself all the way through. And I think just this is how powerful this is. So everybody go and pick up the Miracle Equation and we'll have links in the show notes and how just your inspiration to me. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, any final words of advice to motivate people as they close this episode and, and go do what they need to do in their lives? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say thank you, Pat. Like I, I cannot put into words how grateful I am for you. And when you, when you interviewed me with, about the Miracle Morning years ago and you started practicing it and it changed your life and then you shared it. Yeah, it did. The, it reached, you know, you have such a, you're such a great, I, you know, I loved you before we ever spoke and, and from afar, just watching you and how you conduct yourself. And um, I know we're having a little bromance right here, but, but I'm just, I, I'm so appreciative. Like the Miracle Morning, you helped it take off. You've helped it. Like you have changed many lives with the Miracle Morning because you've shared it, right? And, and so, um, yeah, man. So it's, uh, I'm just, I'm people helping people. So I'm, I'm so appreciative of you and, and having me on now. And um, closing words, if you're listening, whatever your biggest goals and dreams are, just know that like you really are limitless. You really are limitless. And the only thing standing between you and everything that you want and deserve in your life, I truly believe are two decisions. It is really those two decisions. If you consciously commit that you're going to start establishing and maintaining unwavering faith that you can accomplish these goals and dreams that are meaningful for you, for your family, for your community, for whomever, 
and you get clear on what does extraordinary effort look like for you, right? What is the daily process that will make your achievement of those goals and dreams inevitable? And you pursue, you wake up every day, you read your miracle equation affirmations that, you know, those are in the book, of course, and you reinforce that unwavering faith and you execute and implement that extraordinary effort, your success, your goals, your dreams will truly move from possible to probable to inevitable. And I can't wait to see that. And uh, I, 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 I believe you deserve it. I want to see it for you. Thank you, Hal, for that. Appreciate you. And uh, good luck on the launch, man. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. All right. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Hal Elrod. Again, the last time he was on the show was episode 140. And now we're in 367. And just he's, I, I'm Hal, I know you listen to the episodes here. And I'm just so proud of you. And I'm so inspired by you. And, uh, you know, Hal and I chat every once in a while. We throw ideas back and forth at each other. And, you know, I was very thankful to be in his documentary, the Miracle Morning documentary. And uh, you can actually see the phone conversation, the FaceTime conversation that uh, I sent to him when he was going through his cancer. And I'm um, just very thankful that he's in my life. And uh, I know he's there to change many other lives too. So if this is your first time listening to Hal, definitely get involved with him and his book, The Miracle Equation, and also The Miracle Morning. And I'll have all the links to everything in the show notes if you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 367. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 367. You can get access to all those links and resources there. And obviously, like Hal said, wherever those books are available to you, you'll likely see the miracle equation there too. So, uh, wow. Just let me know what you think. Hook me up or uh, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Pat Flynn. If you wanna do me a one-up, uh, shoot me a uh, at Pat Flynn on Instagram on an Instagram story and share this episode and just talk a little bit about what you loved about it. So I'll see those uh, come in and I'll repost some of those to my audience. So thanks again. I appreciate you, Team Flynn. You're amazing. Hal, thank you for the inspiration today. And uh, let's just pay it forward. That's that's exactly what we're all doing here. Pay it forward. Team Flynn, thank you so much. I love y'all. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.